Hi there, Tim here. Now, I've been making Disrupting Japan for about four and a half years now, and I've been enjoying every minute of it. So I've decided to try something a bit new. Every once in a while, I'm going to reach deep, deep into the Disrupting Japan archives and share a show that is especially relevant once again, or maybe one that I just really enjoyed putting together. So today, I'd like to reintroduce you to Naomi Kurahara of Infostellar. She's an amazing woman running a company that is kind of a Airbnb for satellites. It's really cool, and I promise it'll make a lot more sense when Naomi explains it. And as a quick update, since this interview first aired, Infostellar has raised over $8 million, won international awards, and signed up a lot of partners. Oh, and Naomi had her baby, a healthy, happy baby boy who she brings to the office and loves dearly. So I hope you enjoy the show. Disrupting Japan, Episode 56. Welcome to Disrupting Japan, straight talk from Japan's most successful entrepreneurs. I'm Tim Romero, and thanks for joining me. Aerospace in Japan. Is particularly resistant to disruption. Over the past decade, the rest of the world has seen incredible gains in both launch vehicles and spacecraft, but Japan has been moving slowly. Sometimes it seems as if she's determined to stay the course with the same government contracts going to much the same corporate heavyweights year after year. Naomi Kurahara of Infostellar. Once had plans of changing the Japanese aerospace industry. But along the way, she went out on her own with a plan that bypassed Japan's major players and targeted the global market. You see, when an organization launches a satellite, they usually also build an antenna and a ground station to communicate with that satellite. The problem is that as the satellite orbits the Earth, It's only in communications range of the ground station for less than an hour a day. The rest of the time, the ground station just sits there. So, Naomi decided to pool all of the unused ground station time together and rent it out to satellite operators, Airbnb style. Everybody wins by sharing resources. The ground station operators get income by renting out their facilities. And the satellite operators get to communicate with their satellites far more often. But Naomi explains it better than I can. So let's get right to the interview. Cheers. Cheers. So I'm sitting here with Naomi Kurahara, the CEO and fearless founder of Infostellar. So thanks for sitting down with me. Thank you for inviting me. Now, Infostellar is basically time sharing for satellite ground station or Airbnb for satellites, but it's a complex idea. So, why don't you explain a little bit about what Infostellar does? Okay. The reason I started this business is the current space business has an issue for cost. Like satellite is expensive and rocket is expensive, and also the ground system is expensive. 
because maybe not many people are using. <laughs> well, aerospace is incredibly expensive. Yes. But actually, I think before we get into InfoStellar's business model,、mm-hmm. I think it's going to be best if you explain what ground stations are and, and、okay. how they work. Okay. <laughs> so the, there is a three. Uh, main components for space business、mm-hmm. the satellite or spacecraft and、uh, the rocket, the, which deliver the spacecraft from ground to space. And after the delivery, the operator has to control the spacecraft somehow because most of the spacecraft d o e s n t have a Um, people on, <laughs> right. on, on board, yeah. <laughs>、uh, except of space station, or maybe except of only space station. But most of the spacecraft doesn't have an operator, so the ground operator has to control the spacecraft. To control, so we need to send some commands.、Uh, to do that, we use radio. And、uh, radio communication. So, the antenna system and some computer to process the commands. So, the ground stations are the big, they're what's around the big parabolic antennas、yes. that everyone's used to seeing on the ground. And, yeah. And they both get data from the satellite and、uh, to the satellite. And give instructions、yes. back to it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Now that that's clear, tell, tell us about InfoStellar's business. <laughs> yeah, so let's go back to the issue of the space business the cost. The, because the cost is so expensive, space business is difficult to launch or start. And then the, for ground side, the one, okay, one ground station. Including one dish antenna, maybe it costs about at least $200,000. Okay. Yeah. So,、um, to reduce the service price, there is only one way to reduce the cost, which is to increase the usage. So, increase the usage of the ground stations? Yes. yes. If only one person uses,、uh, maybe the 1% or 2% of the whole time is used. So, InfoStellar allows the sharing of these ground stations. Yes. Right? So, traditionally, if, if I'm putting up a satellite,、mm-hmm. so I build my satellite,、mm-hmm. I pay someone to launch it into orbit for me. Yeah. And do I usually build a dedicated ground station to track that satellite? I say yes. Because,、usually? yeah. Because most of the satellite or government require to stop the satellite anytime. Okay. Makes sense. So, to do that, the more many operator has to have one ground station at least. All right. Now, how much downtime does a ground station have? So, if, I, if I've launched my satellite、mm-hmm. and I've got my ground station, in one day, how many minutes or how many hours? Are that ground station and that satellite communicating? So it depends on the location. And for Japan, I can get only 30 minutes per day for communication time. 
30 minutes per day. Mm. So 23 hours and 30 <laughs> minutes is just not being used. Yes. Right. Okay. And that's the time that InfoStellar wants to rent out and to share. Yes. So to reduce the cost, I want to make the usage higher. I right. don't know. Yeah. So that makes sense. Renting out that unused mm-hmm. capacity. Yes. Now, I don't imagine that all ground stations are the same. They must have different frequencies and different ways of communicating with the satellites. How does InfoStellar work with that? Well, all satellite has different, but still I can categorize some satellite because the for frequency there is a allocation okay. uh, for satellites. For example, for there is a band called X-band. It's about 8 gigahertz. So for satellites can use 8 to 8.4 gigahertz. And the other X-band satellites cannot use. Okay, so it is fairly standardized. Mm-hmm. Yes. All right. The protocol used to communicate between a ground station and a satellite um, must be completely different for every satellite. So how, do, how, does, it, how does it work? <laughs> well... That's the problem. The many satellites <laughs> has own uh, protocol or option. So I have to make sure that every station can process the many, many satellites. Okay. <laughs> But I'd imagine the stations themselves, they don't have to understand the data they're getting, right? They just no. have to collect it and send it into the cloud and I guess get it to where it wants to go. Yes. Correct. I have to think about the in analog side and the digital side. Hmm. Or analog signal or digital signal. For antenna, take care of the analog. And for analog, it's more easier. Like many satellites can be categorized or they have a standard frequencies. Well, it sounds like there's enough standardization so you can at least attack the problem. Yes. <laughs> So, for any multi sided marketplace,、mm-hmm. the, you've got the supply side and the demand side. And it's the biggest challenge is always getting both sides on board together.、Mm-hmm. So, let's first talk about the supply side. Have you been able to get a good collection of ground stations signed up for this service? Okay, we talked to the dish antenna. But also, I need to have another type of antenna called Yagi antenna.、Okay. The antenna looks like fish bone on,、sure. on the buildings or on the houses. Right. That's called Yagi antenna. So, that type of antenna can receive or can transmit the UHF or VHF frequencies. It's not VHF or UHF, it's a Type of frequency categories. So, who owns、yeah. the ground stations that are, are signing up? So, the, for Yagi Antenna,、okay. the amateur radio person, individual person, have. And for Dish Antenna, mainly private company or sometimes university has. All right. You've gotten ground stations throughout Southeast Asia on board? Yes. Okay. And how did, you, how did you make those sales? How did you convince people to, to join this? Yeah. Well, the, for people who have antennas, 
the people usually have own satellite because the to operate their satellites, they got their antennas or they got their ground station. Okay. So they have the same issue. They got antenna ground station, but the usage is about 30 minutes to an hour per day. Oh, I see. So I guess on the supply side, it's an easier case because、yes. they're not using it for 23 hours a day. Yes, correct. Okay, so it's very appealing to them. Yes. They have an issue, maintenance cost issue. Sometimes the Yagi antenna require maintenance to change devices or get some new functions. So they still need maintenance. And、uh, maybe 5,000 to 10,000 per year. So $5,000 to $10,000 per year for maintenance cost? Yes. Okay. So it's not big, but it's still cost. <laughs> sure, it makes sense. If、mm. they can get a little bit of income、mm-hmm. to pay for、mm-hmm. the maintenance, it's a great idea for yeah. them. Yeah. That makes sense on the supply side. So let's talk about the demand side.、Mm. I'm curious, how big is this market?、Mm. How big is the market <laughs> in sort of ground station sharing? <laughs> Where? <laughs> That's. Biggest question for me, too. Okay. <laughs>、uh, because the, I can count for current market,、mm-hmm. I can list up the current space cloud service providers and I can count their revenue or like funding for a year. Well, yeah. I mean, but when you look at the <laughs> overall market,、yeah. right? I mean, but. Most of the market you can't sell to. So, for example, the military,、mm-hmm. you can't sell to them. They've got their own ground stations and such.、Mm-hmm. Right? Private, for example, US private company、right. for using satellite image, they are selling data to private and government, militaries also. But, would, for example, do you think the military、mm-hmm. or a large government organization、mm-hmm. would rent? Ground station time from a, an individual or a university? Well, I think military just g e t data from this data provider. Okay. And、uh, they don't care that data came from which ground station. Interesting. Okay. So I guess maybe it is bigger than I was thinking. Yes. And for our business, the current Market is still not enough, I am thinking.、Mm. And、uh, I believe the market will increase very quickly and it's getting bigger than current size. There really does seem to be this huge amount of innovation right now in aerospace. Yes. And the cost of launching a satellite and the cost of building a satellite. Seems to have dropped like 90% over the last five or six years. Correct. <laughs> which is just incredible growth all of a sudden.、Yeah. So, I guess you're counting on that growth and these new industries、mm-hmm. to make up the bulk of your clients in the years to come.、Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. That makes sense. You know, the 30 maybe, or maybe 20 years ago, we never e x p e c t we use smartphone or True. Tablet <laughs> for business and for daily life. We never expect Google Earth or Google Map is such a 
stronger too. That's true. And now it's just part of our everyday life. Yes. We don't think about it. Yes. Where do you think the growth will come from? What industries do you think are going to be using these new cheaper satellites? Mm-hmm. Well, it's also a difficult question. For example, the many business say smart city or big data or, for example, the Google is trying to do unmanned driving system. Yeah, Google's driverless yes. cars. That system requires the car, of course, and, but not only for that. They need a map information and sensing information and maybe GPS information. Right, they've announced they're launching a satellite array of, of like 1,200 satellites, some huge number of satellites. Yes, right. So something that are captured in space, that can be combined to the other industry. So that's kind of combined or cross-industry service. Okay. Yes. I think that makes that increase. So we'll see a lot of different companies taking advantage of sensor data. Yes. You're probably right. I mean... So maybe 20 years from now, there'll be some obvious application that we're not imagining right here in this yes. room. Yeah. Okay. Like imagine, now Google Maps shows just a picture. Right. But if the picture is updated real time, what's happened? Right. Or if you have temperature data for all over the world. Right. And I guess since the satellites are up there... Mm-hmm. It's much cheaper to rent additional ground stations than to launch another satellite. That makes sense. Let's talk a little bit about you for a minute. <laughs> okay. Because you're sort of a non-typical founder in Japan. What do you mean non-typical? Well, it's, um, you got your uh, PhD in electrical engineering yes. at Kyushu Institute of Technology, right? right. Then you were a researcher at University of Tokyo for a few years. And I think InfoStellar was actually based on a research paper you published, wasn't it? Yes. But the, the concept itself was not from me. It's existed more than 10 years. Okay. So when you decided to leave your university job and found this company... Were there university or government programs that helped you out? Were there mentors and advisors, or did you just make the jump on your own? I just jumped on. <laughs> you jumped on your own? Really? That's a pretty big jump. Well, between university and InfoStera, I was in the private company also. So it's not a big jump, maybe. What made you finally decide to leave your job and start the company? Well, when I was in university, I wanted to become an astronaut or I wanted to work in bigger, major satellite company. But during postdoc in University of Tokyo and during I was joining the private company, it was different. I mean... It's not something I expected. Well, how was it different? <laughs> well, 
the job itself was very excited. I enjoyed a lot. But I thought some new spacecraft, a new space business or a new space company or space industry cannot be created or cannot be born in older Okay. So space. even though it's... <laughs> Even though aerospace is, is very high-tech, it just didn't seem like you were working on new things? Well, the, of course, technology. They are doing very high-tech things about space, but they cannot change the world or they cannot change industry. So they're making small incremental improvements. They're not making disruptive change. Yes, like they do step by step, but they cannot be a Microsoft or a Apple okay. or a Google. <laughs> yeah, well, especially in Japan, aerospace is, you're basically selling to the government. Right. It's a lot like working for the government. Right. I hope nobody, JAXA or um, big company-related people, is listening. <laughs> oh, I think they probably. I think they would probably agree with you. <laughs> I don't think that's a big secret. <laughs> well, let me let me ask you a little bit of a, a personal question, because you know, after your PhD and your postdoc work at the University of Tokyo, you were on a really good career path, and then you left to start. Your own startup. Was your family supportive of that or what did they think? It was tough to tell them I leave, I left really? the company or I leave universities. Uh oh. <laughs> well, my parents is over 60s. They are typical Japanese. <laughs> they believe staying in universities or staying in big company is the best way to live in. Well, it's a very safe way to live. <laughs> safe way, yes. <laughs> it was difficult to talk with them. So they were not happy about the idea? Well, they accepted, but they look like, okay. <laughs> Have they changed their opinion or are they still hoping you'll go back to a proper job? Where they are hoping. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, when you made that change, mm -hmm. what was the biggest difference you saw between the academic world mm -hmm. and the, the big company world mm -hmm. and the startup world? What was the biggest gap you saw? Well, for academic, we have goal. And we work for the goal. But if the goal is not achieved, uh, still it's okay. I mean, <laughs> I mean, it's not okay, but the, no one punish. Yeah, nobody gets fired. Yes. Nobody loses their job. <laughs> right. That's true. In a startup, yes. if you miss your goal, your company might be over. Yes. Do you find that exciting or is that just stressful? I'm exciting. Okay. <laughs> but it's stressful. It's both. <laughs> <laughs> well, so I think that's a big difference. Okay. One of the biggest things, like you were telling me before, is you're going to be a mom soon. 
How are you going to balance that? Are you going to sort of put the company on hold for a while? I cannot do that. Not an option. No. <laughs> well, maybe I take a week or two weeks off. At least I had to check emails and I have to communicate with my team via Skype or internet. That's going to be really challenging. <laughs> I know. <laughs> but I understand what you mean. When, when things are in motion, you can't just stop them. No, I cannot. Let me ask you a bigger question about Japan. Prime Minister Abe talks a lot about making Japan more friendly to working moms. <laughs> Actually, everyone talks about it a lot. If Abe asked your advice on what the government should do to make things better for working moms, what would you tell him? Well, I really hope government help the working mom or working women, but it is so difficult because I believe the many changes required. Like, I was in the engineering field long time, right. and uh, I'm sorry, but still men, typically older men, <laughs> have uh, idea something women or mother has to stay home and has to take care of the children. So there's still a lot of discrimination in, yes. in technical fields? Yes. And so the mental change is required. Let me dig into that for a second. So, for example, in your PhD class, in your postdoc, how many women researchers were there? In my same year? Yeah. Only me. Oh, just you. <laughs> okay. So we, we definitely need more. Yeah. <laughs> well, we, have, we don't have much PhD student in my year. Maybe 30 or 40 only. But okay. still... <laughs> But still, only one woman is, is pretty low. Yeah. And I think the system or social system needs to change. Because at least a week or two weeks during the delivery. Uh, so guaranteed maternity leave. Yes. I had to leave at least several periods. But if I am a manager... And if I have a very important project and one person leave a few weeks, I may be upset a little bit. Yeah, it's hard for any business to deal with staff taking yes. time off. So I understand the manager side thinking, but that's <laughs> I need uh, or we need something to cover the okay. maternity leave things. I don't know how. <laughs> right. Before we wrap up, I want to ask you what I call my magic wand question. And that's if I gave you a magic wand and I said that you could change anything about Japan, the culture, the way of thinking, the education system, anything at all to make it better for startups, what would you change? <laughs> Maybe I change a role that every student has to take a year off after their graduation oh, okay. and the government pay during the, 
that year off. Yeah. What, what would they do? And uh, the student has to go abroad. They cannot uh-huh. stay in Japan. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> so it could be they could go abroad to study or work or yeah. anything? Anything. But they cannot stay in Japan. <laughs> <laughs> Why is that important? Well, I think the many Japanese too focusing to Japan. It's nice if everyone looks outside of Japan. Okay, so it would just give them a more global perspective. Yes. And when they went into business, they wouldn't be so focused on yes. the Japanese market and the Japanese way of doing things. Yes. Okay, excellent. Thanks so much for sitting down with me today. It's been a great <laughs> Thank talk. <you. laughs> Thank you so much. And we're back. You know, maybe more than the business itself, I was impressed with Naomi's determination to follow her own path. I mean, it's almost become a cliche about how founders fight the system to follow their dreams. But the hard truth is that most startup founders today aren't fighting the status quo. They're riding high on it. Startup culture is celebrated today. Starting a company is seen as respectable and even admired. Funding is easy to obtain, and once funded, people tend to be supportive of your vision. Talking with people like Naomi, however, reminds us of what it really means to do things on your own terms. From being the only woman in her PhD and postdoc programs, to going against the wishes of her family to start her own company, to running that company as a single mom, She's not so much celebrating doing things her way, she's just doing it. Ground Station Rental may be a very small market today, but it's one that might see explosive growth in the coming decade, and it looks like InfoStellar is set to grow right along with it. If you've got a love for aerospace and satellites, Naomi and I would love to hear from you. So come by DisruptingJapan.com slash show 056, and let's talk about it. When you drop by, you'll find all the links and sites that Naomi and I talked about, and much, much more in the resources section of the posts. And I know you've been meaning to do this for a while now, but when you get the chance, please leave us an honest review on iTunes. It's really the best way you can support the show and help us get the word out. But most of all, thanks for listening. And thank you for letting people interested in Japanese startups know about the show. I'm Tim Romero, and thanks for listening to Disrupting Japan.